All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Yo, 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 it's the Daily Faceoff Show, and today is Tuesday, April 19th. He is former NHL netminder Mike McKenna, now Daily Faceoff analyst. Mike, what's going on? How you doing, man? Man, I'm living. It's nice out, you know, like finally starting to get outside again. And just a little bit of hockey once a week with my daughter. So life's good. A little bit of free time these days, Frank, but not enough to be able to cut everything in the NHL because it seems like it's still all happening, man. We're this close to playoffs, and we still don't know who's going to be in and out. Yeah, it is happening. Hopefully you're doing better than the Vegas Golden Knights and their playoff chances now down to 25% after a brutal loss to the New Jersey Devils on Monday night. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck with exactly that. A 3-2 loss at the hands of the 27th place New Jersey Devils on Monday night. In the Fortress, a game that the Vegas Golden Knights had to have. And what was so interesting were Pete DeBoer's comments after the game, Mike, in which he essentially put it all at the feet of the Vegas Golden Knights. Netminders, him saying after the game, according to Jesse Granger of The Athletic, this time of year, you're looking for your guy to be better than the guy at the other end. That wasn't the case. Mike, are you buying it? Is this all on Robin Leonard or is there more to this story? No, it's not all on Robin Leonard. Was he good last night? It wasn't his best, okay? He had two goals that were big time bad by the optics of it. But the fact is that the Golden Knights, whenever they've faced pressure situations in the last three years, they've withered and they haven't been able to score. And when you're asked in that same press conference why you can't score and the answer is, I don't know, 
And then the next line of questioning is about the goaltending. And that's the type of answer you get. And then go further by DeBoer and saying it's a bit tough getting some consistency there. Well, the Golden Knights haven't been able to score when they have to. And you can't just blame it on running into hot goaltenders on the other end. Because here's the hot goaltenders. Thatcher Demko, Anton Hudobin, Carey Price, Mike Smith, Andrew Hammond. Like, see a trend here? It's not just the goaltenders they're facing. It's also the fact that the power play is terrible. It's been at 18% all year. It's been at 15% in March. The Buffalo Sabres since March are at 29%, and Vegas is at 15 This isn't all on personnel. The Golden Knights simply haven't been able to score like they need. They haven't gotten great goaltending either, but it is definitely a mix of both things. It is not just simplified into what's going on in the crease. Yeah, essentially one goal on Andrew Hammond through the bulk of the game. He scored the second one on six on five later. That's not going to get it done. And oh, by the way, I think I saw Alex Petrangelo getting walked at a certain point uh, on one of those significant New Jersey Devils goals, a $70 million defenseman. Your best players need to be your best players at the biggest moments in the season. Mike, the math is pretty daunting now for the Golden Knights. If the LA Kings can go something like two and three in their final five games, forcing the Golden Knights to go three, one, and one just to get in. Do they do it? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be tight. I mean, Vegas has a pretty tough schedule. They're going to face St. Louis and Dallas and Washington. LA's facing easier teams. And tell you what, this, tell you this, Frank, Vegas isn't going to make the playoffs if they miss the net 23 times like they did last night. That's just not going to get it done. They have not produced in pressure situations. You can tell they're gripping their sticks tight. They've got to find a way to play free or else it's going to be all over real soon. Yeah, fair point made by you. I'm just not seeing it happen for the Golden Knights. And by the way, we didn't have the Vancouver Canucks in our playoff window there, but they're just one point back of the Golden Knights, uh, almost an identical points percentage. The Canucks have played really well down the stretch. And they're knocking on the door as well. Their odds, their playoff odds are almost the same or similar as the Golden Knights at this point. So certainly another team to keep an eye on in the fold. Let's take a look back, Mike, on October. Uh, it's always the most fun time of year in terms of putting together predictions. What's going to happen? I, I said in my story today on dailyfaceoff.com, taking a look back at the 32 bold predictions that I made in October, it's kind of like playing darts at your local watering hole on Tuesday nights, you know, you've got a rare bullseye that you hit every now and again, a lot of misses, and then some shots that just make you look plain drunk. And certainly that was definitely the case for you and I back in October when the both of us picked the Winnipeg Jets to win the Stanley Cup. It's sort of like that moment in Billy Madison where he's trying to graduate and they say, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. We picked a team, Mike, that didn't even make the playoffs. This is the second time that I've done that for a Canadian team in the last five years. I said the Oilers would win the Cup in 2018, did not make the playoffs. The Winnipeg Jets have the same fate. I apologize to the Winnipeg Jets and their fan base, and I am now barred in the future from pick a, picking a Canadian team to end Canada's Cup drought because they don't make the playoffs anytime I do it. I have those same feelings. It's a good thing we're not going to show all the all the categories on the board in Billy Madison because some of those are pretty offside for our show. But uh, it's a great reference. And I, too, picked the Jets. I like that team at the start. I thought they had scoring. I thought they improved their D, good goaltending. And 
they were bad enough that their coach said, I've seen enough. Paul Maurice walks away from the club. So uh, my bold prediction that I got wrong, really two of them. I had the Islanders winning and uh, Islanders in the finals. I don't think anybody could have predicted this tough a season as they started with, with COVID and the arena situation. I just missed that. And then I had the Flames as fifth in the Pacific, Frank. And that was behind Vegas, Edmonton, L.A., Vancouver. I was way off. Uh, and I didn't give that team enough credit for what Brad Tree Living did to mold that roster into what Daryl Sutter can work with. And then as the season's gone on, he's just made it better. Really impressive from the Flames. Yeah, I didn't have the Flames making the playoffs either. And man, there were some other really bad picks. I had a a points bet favorite in there, a points bet, a point total. It was Buffalo Sabres over under 68 and a half. And I said under. I was like, they played at a 54 point pace last season over an 82 game season. How could this team possibly improve by a significant margin without Jack Eichel in the mix? We knew at that point he'd be sitting out until he got traded. And lo and behold, they shattered that number last week with a few games to go. This one hurt double, Mike. Not only did I predict it publicly, but I also put some of my own money on the line. It was one of my biggest preseason bets made. Those are kind of the only bets I make all season long. I like playing with the point totals and a couple other that hit. But, geez, Sabres, they've gotten way better under Don Granado. They fought uh, and certainly against some tough, te- tough teams down the stretch. And they've gotten better especially since Alex Tuck arrived and has gotten healthy and into their lineup. Yeah, I've been impressed with them, man. And I think it's it's easy to look at that club and be pretty optimistic of the future. Tuck's done great. Krebs is coming into his own. Owen Power's there. And things for people in, in Buffalo to finally be excited about. But we did get some right, Frank. We did make some good predictions. We did. And what what would you say is the prediction you're most proud of that you got right from the beginning of the season? You know, I had the Rangers finishing second in the Metro, which looks like that might be what ends up happening. And I based that call more or less on Gerard Gallant coming in as head coach and knowing how he's been able to come in and change a culture around and get a a team playing with some speed, with some energy, with some fun. I thought he would be a really good mix with that team. And they had plenty of skill up front. They had Adam Fox of a Norris Trophy winning defenseman. And I knew Shishjurkin could carry the mail on goal. He's been better than I ever expected. Um, but that was kind of my flyer pick of the of the preseason. You know, I wasn't, it's one of those where I wasn't really sure about it, Frank, but I was like, I, I just got a hunch here. Uh, and that one turned out really well. I also picked Darcy Kemper to win the Vezina. Now he's not going to be in the mix. I doubt he's going to get votes for it this year. If he'd had a better start to the season, I think he would be there because right now he's third in save percentage at 924, second in wins at 36. He just started off rocky. So I, I don't mind my pick there. But man, if I'd have known what Shishurkin was going to do, I think he would have been a pretty easy one. You and I must have been sharing a brain during prediction season because I also had Kemper winning the Vezina. And you're right. A little bit of a shaky start the first two months of the season, 903 save percentage. Since then, he's been unbelievable from December 1st on. He's gotten points in 30 of his 35 starts. He's 27, 5, and 3, and has a 932 save percentage. He's been, I don't know if he's gotten enough love around the league with yeah. the special season that Chesterkin has had. Markstrom's been good. Demko's been unbelievable. Soros has been great, but Kemper has been right there. So uh, certainly don't get credit for the missed pick, but he has had a great season. Uh, you and I were also sharing a brain, Mike, on Austin Matthews and his goal total. I picked mm-hmm. 62 at the start of the year. You had 59. He's sitting right at 58 at the moment. And he's someone that is potentially getting back on the ice tonight. 
He had participated in the Toronto Maple Leafs optional skate this morning. So he could be facing off against the Philadelphia Flyers tonight at Scotiabank Arena. But Matthews sitting out last game, Mike, I think was a little bit of a reminder in terms of just how bold that pick was because it's not just to get to a place that so few players have been in the 60-goal range. Steven Stamkos, the last to do it in 2012, it's really also dependent on his health, which he's been more or less pretty healthy all season long. He has. I mean, you and I picked the highest goal totals. You at 62, me at 59. We were the most optimistic of the daily faceoff bunch when it came to Austin Matthews. But I'm just watching him play and thinking he can absolutely do this year in and year out. And my only question at the beginning was his health. And was Mitch Marner going to be able to carry it all year? And when Marner's been healthy in the lineup, they've been as dynamic as any other pairing in the NHL. I think you're going to end up being right on this one, Frank. I think Matthews is going to get closer to your total at 62 than what I said at 59. I think he's actually going to exceed it. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at 65. Seven goals over the next five games or so seems eminently doable for Mr. Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's turn our attention to another Canadian team, and that's the Montreal Canadiens. To close out the regular season on the show, we're looking at teams that are out of the playoff mix we tackled the Arizona Coyotes on Monday. Today's the Montreal Canadiens. And Mike, when you look at the Canadiens and where they're heading on what's been an incredibly disappointing season, you know, I saw a tweet from Julian McKenzie the other day on Twitter saying, if you had told Habs fans, you showed them the season from the pandemic when the Canadians were in the bottom 10 in the league and then showed them now and then said, hey, in the meantime, they're going to get to the Stanley Cup final, they probably wouldn't have believed you. What's the most pressing need for the Habs? Well, they're, if they're going to be competitive next year, which I think is the I don't think this team can afford to just go to like total rebuild right now, especially because they have some pretty good pieces up front that are young. They have to go out and get some defensemen, Frank, like without Shea Weber, with Sherratt leaving as a UFA this pending season being traded away. I mean, they're just they're so thin on D. It's been positive that Jeff Petrie's found his game since Marty St. Louis uh, has taken over as head coach. His point totals are up. He's playing better, but they need that badly. They also need some they need some they need to know what's going on in the goal. Is Carey Price going to be able to play next year? Of course, he's come back and is playing now. I would guess that's the case. Is he going to be there? Does Jake Allen stay? He did a really good job when he was available this year. So I, I think it's really on the defensive side of things. They've got to figure out their D. They've got to figure out goaltending. I like their forward group. But Frank, they've got a lot of pieces to to work with here. Like Jeff Gordon and, and has, man, they have 10, 14, how many, 10 draft picks in the first four rounds next year? Like, that's crazy, man. And that should play out in the next two to three years. So, uh, Frank, I think there's things to be positive about in Montreal. Yeah. You take a look at the Habs draft picks, as you said, 10 in the first four rounds. And the draft is being held in Montreal this year in July, the 7th and 8th. So it'll be interesting to watch what it's like in that building. Uh, lots of pressure on the Habs to get back to where they typically are, which is the Stanley Cup playoffs. But you hit it on the head about Carey Price. It's it's not just about Price, but he also factors into the larger conversation about what do the Habs do with their cap picture moving forward? Mm -hmm. They've got $81.3 million committed to next season's cap. Carey Price accounting for 10 and a half of that. And you look moving forward, the cap's 82.5 next year. How does this team find a way to create some salary cap flexibility? And I guess the biggest question is, or the easiest way to do that would be to do something with Carey Price. So quickly, Mike, my question to you is, 
If you're the Montreal Canadiens, what would you do with Carey Price this summer? Would you be willing to retain money and trade him, or would you be bringing him back next season to play in net? With all this, man, it's such a hard thing to say. Like, but I think with kind of with the questions with Price's health, frankly, like with him being able to play with his his knee where it's at, other things that he's faced, like. At some point, the Canadians will have to look to move on if they're creating flat cap flexibility. But I still think that the carry price factor is the key to this entire team. And if they get him back in their lineup, it changes the entire outlook. I would keep carry price. Okay. Well said. Keep carry price. Got it. We'll mark that down. Uh, hopefully, it'll turn out better than some of our other predictions from the start yeah, of no the year. Kidding. Let's get to <laughs> another edition of the next wave with Chris Peters. Pleased to welcome back to the Daily Faceoff show, Chris Peters, who is leaving on a jet plane soon for Germany. This is another edition of The Next Wave delivered by DoorDash. So, Chris, as I mentioned, you are leaving tomorrow for Germany for the World Under-18 Championships. You were the one guy out there a few months back in your mid-season draft rankings. You did not have Shane Wright in the number one spot. You had Logan Cooley there from the U.S. National Development Program. So, Chris, my question to you is, by the time you come back from Germany, will Shane Wright be in the number one spot on your board? Well, he's already there now. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. They're, they're, after that ranking came out, it kind of went in a different direction for both players. I think Logan Cooley cooled off a bit, uh, not to no, – no pun intended there – and Shane Wright really took off. The thing is right now, as I've talked to scouts throughout this season and, and going back to the, the CHL Top Prospects game, no one's real excited about this draft. No one's real excited about the top of the draft. There's a lot of you know teams that, that, are, that have lottery protection and everything. They're like, eh, you know, if we lose it, we lose it. You know, kind of, kind of that kind of situation. Shane Wright hasn't necessarily lived up to expectations, but he is still probably the best player in this draft. Logan Cooley, who I will see in Germany, who will be the number one center for Team USA, has a real opportunity here in these next couple of weeks to, to you know, get himself back on track. I haven't bumped him down as far as some other people have because I, I know what his top gear looks like. And I think that that's probably, you know, one of the things that keeps him in that range. You'll also notice, you, you know, Uri Slavkovsky really moved up from my previous ranking. I had him in the top 10. But now he's in the top three. Um, you know, he, he had really good performances at the end of the season after coming back from the Olympics and, you know, has continued to play well. Simon Nemitz as well is another guy who, who will not be at the under-18 Worlds, but is, is, is moving up the charts because of a, a historic season of production in Slovakia's Pro League and also a dominant performance in the postseason there. He, he, his team was knocked out. He did go to the under-18 Division I championship and only ended up playing in, uh, I think, two games there. So he's really interesting. And then Matthew Savoy, he's kind of hovered around that top five all year long. And I'm telling you right now that, you know, there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, you know, this draft is, it's fine. It, it's fine. It, you know, there, it'll get us some pieces. The lottery looks good. But beyond that, there's not a lot of excitement. Not a lot of people that are just, you know, that even even about Shane Wright, you know, is, is, is this going to be a situation where he comes into the NHL next season and has, you know, that slow start like Jack Hughes and Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco. I mean, those guys are still trying to find their way. Jack Hughes obviously took off this season, but Lafreniere and Caco still trying to find their way a little bit. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that's kind of what you're looking at. And, you know, he'll probably be in the NHL next season, but will he be, you know, an impact player? Probably not. 
Well, Chris, I'm jealous. I've never been to Europe. Uh, so you go into Germany. I really want to see a picture of you with a pretzel the size of your head. That's first and foremost. <laughs> that is in the plans. Trip. Yes. I, I, I need to see that. Uh, <laughs> but beyond that, you know, 18 years old, 17, 18, it's, it's always tough with goaltenders. But it seems like every year there's still a team willing to take somebody in the first, second round, one or two goaltenders that have that high profile watermark to them. Are there any that we should be keeping our eye on in this tournament? There are goalies to keep an eye on in this tournament. However, I don't think we're going to see a goaltender go in the top 60 picks this year. Um, I, I, I think it's probably the weakest year that I've covered, you know, where, where the goaltenders just kind of fall way down the boards. Um, and, you know, there's always those guys that sneak in. One guy that could potentially sneak in there that we're going to learn a lot more about at the under 18 worlds is Topias uh, Leinonen. And he is probably going to be the number one goalie for Finland at this tournament. Obviously, we always respect the goaltending that, that comes out of Finland. He's a big guy, six foot five, played in some pro games this season, but really shined in the U20 league. And so now it's an opportunity for him. You know, can he carry this Finnish team across, you know, to, to, to a medal? Because it's not the strongest Finnish group that we've ever seen in this tournament. You know, can he be that guy? Um, there's also kind of one of the late rising guys in this draft class is the U.S. goaltender Tyler Muselik, who's committed to the University of New Hampshire. Um, he is, he's been a really solid performer in the second half of the season. Dylan Silverstein, who made the World Junior Team, has dealt with injuries and hasn't played much. He's not going to be at the Under 18 World Championship, so this really looks like it's Tyler Muselik's net. And if the U.S. is able to win gold and he has a big performance, so that moves him up the boards as well. So this is a it's a weaker year for goaltending. Tyler Brennan, the top goalie, you know, consensus coming into the year is actually too old for the under 18s um, as a 2003 birth year. But beyond that, you know, we're going to learn a lot more about these these top European players. We won't have Russia, though. We won't have Belarus. Probably doesn't matter as much in the goaltending department. Uh, but this is a situation where these guys have have this chance to make an impression in a year where it's wide open as to who could be the number one goalie taken off the board. So, so Chris, outside of the lottery position, um, you know, sort of top five or six guys, you mentioned that there's not a lot of guys that get teams excited. So does that mean in your eyes that there's a bigger window for teams to select maybe a similar type player? What does the range look like? So is it from like 10 to 50 or 10 to 60 that you might be able to get the similar quality player. How would you size up sort of the tiers in this draft? Yeah, I, I think the tiers really starts dropping pretty quickly after the top, you know, six or seven guys. Um, and, and beyond that, it, it's probably, you know, you get into that lottery range. You feel like, you know, the, that, that five to 15 range, five to 16, you know, still really good players available there. And then really, I think you're looking like 20 to 60, it could be all over the map. Um, and, and that's that's kind of where we're at right now. And you look at different public boards, you look at, you talk to teams, you know, there are guys that they say, hey, I think this guy's a top five pick. There are teams that might have that guy in the 20 range. You know, that's the kind of disparity that we're talking about in this class. But I, I do think that in that late first round, there's real high potential for value, as there always is. Um, you know, guys that maybe would have slipped into the second round in other years that, that you know, kind of always surprise us. They could make that first round opportunity, you know, here. And I think in the, at the World Under 18s, there's a lot of guys in that range. There, Sweden has a bunch of them and, and Jonathan Lakiramaki and, and Noah Oslin and you know, guys that, that have kind of been on the radar um, as potential first round picks and have 
fluctuated. Same with the U.S. The U.S. Is, may have as many as seven players selected in the first round um, and just on their roster right now. So uh, that's kind of what we're looking at. It's, it's a very wide range. Um, I think we're all still trying to sort out, you know, the the, the post-pandemic life of scouting and, and, and of also what these leagues are doing. You know, it, it, nothing is, is normal yet. I think next year is going to be that finally normal season, or we hope it's going to be a normal season where you have all the benchmarks of a normal season, which we still didn't have this year. Yeah, fair point. We're looking forward to seeing you with a pretzel the size of your head, maybe even a, a beer in a boot and all your coverage on dailyfaceoff.com. <laughs> This has been another edition of the, the Next Wave with Chris Peters. You see the promo codes on the bottom of your screen. D-F-O-D-D if you're in Canada. D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. You don't want to cook. Get a pretzel somewhere. Get it delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Chris, safe travels. We'll talk to you on the other side. Thanks, guys. All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag ask DFO. Mike, you saw the Seattle Kraken introduced Macklemore and Marshawn Lynch as two minority partners on Monday. Does this mean anything? I think it does if these two owners, Macklemore and Marshawn Lynch, can stay engaged. And that's the biggest question. I've seen a lot of celebrities whether it be from the music, TV, any industry, buy into professional teams before, and it's a flash in the pan, it's a one-hit marketing thing. If they can continue to, to set roots down and actually get something out of this, it'll make a difference. And that's not just Marshawn Lynch doing donuts on a Zamboni. Like You need Macklemore in Seattle, where he's from, bought in, driving the community development. I think that's really important. So could it help long-term? Can it be a big deal long-term? Yeah, I think it can. But we've all too often seen where this is just a quick flash with the PR department. So Frank, do you have a similar feeling as me? No, I, I don't know. I'm not thinking this means anything in the long term. I don't even we don't know how much they bought in for. Obviously, they don't have any sort of controlling yeah. stake or say. I don't know. Feels like two guys that are along for the ride in in a sports business world where you're seeing franchises skyrocket. It seems like an investor play. Obviously, they're having a little fun with it. I thought the donut video on the Zamboni was a nice touch. Uh, other than that, I'm not expecting any sort of real bump from the Seattle Kraken where there's been so much talk about off ice and what's going on there and building a franchise that they really kind of missed out on the important part, which is building a successful and winning hockey team on the ice. It's been a slow go from that front. So we'll see what happens there. I'm not uh, holding my breath on any sort of significant impact. That brings us to our daily face-off daily bet segment. We welcome in Tyler Uremchuk. How'd you do last night, Tyler? Uh, last night was well, barely a profitable night, but I'll take the profitable night anyways. No Lindholm assist, but we hit the favorites parlay with Calgary and Carolina. So we were up 0.23 of a unit. So I'll take it. Uh, just quickly going back to the predictions. Mike, I also had the Islanders going all the way to the cup final. So I feel your pain on that one there. Um, I will look to nail some predictions tonight, though. So let's dig into the slate, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada, which is now live in Ontario. And I'm going to start with that matchup at the top between the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks. This is a big opportunity for the Kings to create a little bit of distance between themselves and the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Ducks have not been good since the deadline. 
not great. They only have three wins in their last 10. And you might look at the Kings and go, well, they only have four wins in their last 10. That's not much better. But when you look at their schedule, they have basically just lost to some really good teams. Minnesota, Colorado, Calgary mixed in there. They lost a tight one to Edmonton as well. And then they've beaten up on a bunch of teams lower than them in the standing. So I like that trend to continue here. This is a big two points for the LA Kings. And I don't think they're going to let it slip in the similar way that the Vegas Golden Knights let a big two point slip last night. And going a little bit lower than that, I also really like the Minnesota Wild on the puck line at plus 100. The Wild are 6-1-3 and three in their last 10 games. The Habs have been, you know, below average pretty much all season, although they did get that little spark from Marty St. Louis. But I still think Minnesota should roll in this hockey game. They're playing some really good hockey as of late. And for my player prop and my third play of the day, I'm going to go into this matchup a little bit deeper. Kevin Fiala is a man on fire right now. On top of picking up three assists in his last game, he's hit this mark in four of his last five games. So I love that we're getting a plus money payout on Fiala to pick up an apple here tonight. And like I said, the matchup is good for the Minnesota Wild. So it's a Fiala assist, mini on the puck line, and the Kings to win in regulation. I got three plays tonight, Frank. Yeah, Fiala's had a pretty unbelievable season for the Minnesota yeah. Wild. I think, unfortunately for him, he's probably played his way out of the market. I don't know how they can find a way to keep Kevin Fiala and their cap situation. When you take a look at the big picture, all that dead cap money on for next season. Wow, it's going to be tough. Uh, interesting picks. Tyler, we'll keep an eye on those tonight. That brings us to Garbage Time with Mike McKenna. Mike, what's caught your eye from around the hockey world? Well, news came out yesterday that Dryden McKay, the Hobie Baker winner in NCAA hockey this year, goaltender from Minnesota State, was hit with a six-month ineligibility ban for doping. The U.S. Anti-Doping Agency found that he had illegal substances in his system. And here's the thing. McKay got out ahead of this and said, you know what? Uh, I, it all got reduced because it was a contaminated pill that I was taking. I take full responsibility for it. I thought I was doing the right thing to help prevent COVID. And this is what I was told by the trainer. Well, bottom line, man, people did some weird and took some weird things to try to help with COVID. And based on anecdotal evidence, and this is kind of a byproduct, you buy a something off the shelf at a vitamin or a supplement store, and then you end up getting nailed for it and almost ruins your career. And I'm telling you, man, these meetings that you have every year, and it probably isn't the true in college, but U.S. for the Olympic Committee and for NHL and pro hockey. If what you're buying doesn't have a little sticker on it that says NFF's NSF certified, don't touch it. Like This is a message for all athletes out there. Do not touch it unless it has NSF certification on it. You walk into those vitamin supplement stores. Those people aren't playing professional sports. They're selling supplements. Okay, they don't have the same things riding on the line that you do when you walk in that store. Even the things that you think are clean or all natural can be contaminated like it was for Dryden McKay. And now he's paying the price on it. So I just think it's really important for for people out there, especially when your friends come at you with these multi-level marketing schemes where they want you to buy these supplements that don't have NSF on them. Don't do it. Take care of your yeah. game. Know what's in your body so that this doesn't happen, because no matter how minuscule the amount was in Dryden McKay's system. It was still illegal and he got nailed for it and it's going to slow down the start of his professional career. Yeah, it's unfortunate all the way around. I mean, I also sort of see it from his perspective. I know the onus is on him, as you said, in terms of what he's putting in his body, but he bought a vitamin on the shelf and the contaminated substance wasn't listed in the ingredients. So basically right. his response was a statement that he put out. He shipped all the supplements that he had that he was taking to a lab and they tested it and they found it and said, hey, 
this wasn't listed on the ingredients. It's not supposed to be in here, but it actually is in here. So just kind of an unfortunate thing all the way around. I really wonder how big of a boost it would have given him. Uh, probably pretty minuscule in and of itself. Um, you know, I don't know. I'd like to see some of those things. Restrictions in some ways loosened. I don't know how big of a boost a guy like Dryden McKay would really be getting in this circumstance. Impossible yeah. to say, impossible yeah. to judge. Just feels like some of it's a little bit over the top. Well, you know what? It's pretty simple. Just don't take any supplements or vitamins. Just as easy as that. Take my workout yeah. plan. Look, look at this. Easy. Yeah. Look at this temple. This is all here. you need to do. I talked to another, yeah. I, listen, I talked to another NHL, former NHL goaltender yesterday. And we both said it. These kids are taking way too many things. They don't even know what's going on in their body. Just don't take any of them. Simple as that. <laughs> Amazing. What a world we live in. That'll do it for today's Daily Faceoff show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the National Hockey League. We'll be back right here Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.